Section 21 of Summer in a Garden and Calvin, A Study of Character by Charles Dudley Warner. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Mark Penfold. Section 21 Summer in a Garden. Eighteenth Week. Regrets are idle, yet history is one long regret everything might have turned out so differently if ravaillac had not been imprisoned for debt he would not have stabbed henry of navarre if william of orange had escaped assassination by philip's emissaries if france had followed the french calvin and embraced protestant calvinism as it came very near doing towards the end of the sixteenth century if the continental ammunition had not given out at bunker's hill if blucher had not come up at waterloo the lesson is that things do not come up unless they are planted. When you go behind the historical scenery, you find there is a rope and pulley to effect every transformation which has astonished you. It was the rascality of a minister and a contractor five years before that lost the battle, and the cause of the defeat was worthless ammunition. I should like to know how many wars have been caused by fits of indigestion, and how many more dynasties have been upset by the love of woman than by the hate of man. It is only because we are ill-informed that anything surprises us, and we are disappointed because we expect that for which we have not provided. I had two vague expectations of what my garden would do of itself. A garden ought to produce one everything, just as a business ought to support a man, and a house ought to keep itself. We had a convention lately to resolve that the house should keep itself, but it won't. There has been a lively time in our garden this summer, but it seems to me there is very little to show for it. It has been a terrible campaign, but where is the indemnity? Where are all Sass and Lorraine? It is true that we have lived on the country, but we desire, besides, the fruits of the war. There are no onions, for one thing. I am quite ashamed to take people into my garden and have them notice the absence of onions. It is very marked. An onion is strength, and a garden without it lacks flavor. The onion in its satin wrappings is among the most beautiful of vegetables, and it is the only one that represents the essence of things. It can almost be said to have a soul. You take off coat after coat, and the onion is still there, and when the last one is removed, who dare say that the onion itself is destroyed, though you can weep over its departed spirit? If there is any one thing on this fallen earth that the angels in heaven weep over, more than another, it is the onion. I know that there is supposed to be a prejudice against the onion, but I think there is rather a cowardice in regard to it. I doubt not that all men and women love the onion, but few confess their love. Affection for it is concealed." good new englanders are as shy of owning it as they are of talking about religion some people have days on which they eat onions what you might call retreats or their thursdays the act is in the nature of a religious ceremony an eleusinian mystery not a breath of it must get abroad on that day they see no company they deny the kiss of greeting to the dearest friend, they retire within themselves, and hold communion with one of the most pungent and penetrating manifestations of the moral vegetable world. Happy is said to be the family which can eat onions together. They are, for the time being, separate from the world, and have a harmony of aspiration. There is a hint here for the reformers. Let them become apostles of the onion. 
let them eat and preach it to their fellows and circulate tracts of it in the form of seeds in the onion is the hope of universal brotherhood if all men will eat onions at all times they will come into a universal sympathy look at italy i hope i am not mistaken as to the cause of her unity it was the reds who preached the gospel which made it possible all the reds of europe all the sworn devotees of the mystic marianne eat of the common vegetable their oaths are strong with it it is the food also of the common people of italy all the social atmosphere of that delicious land is laden with it its odor is a practical democracy in the churches all are alike there is one faith one smell the entrance of victor emmanuel into rome is only the pompous proclamation of a unity which garlic had already accomplished and yet we who boast of our democracy eat onions in secret i now see that i have left out many of the most moral elements neither onions parsnips carrots nor cabbages are here i have never seen a garden in the autumn before without the uncouth cabbage in it but my garden gives the impression of a garden without a head the cabbage is the rose of holland i admire the force by which it compacts its crisp leaves into a solid head the secret of it would be priceless to the world we should see less expansive foreheads with nothing within even the largest cabbages are not always the best but i mention these things not from any sympathy i have with the vegetables named but to show how hard it is to go contrary to the expectations of society society expects every man to have certain things in his garden not to raise cabbage is as if one had no pew in church perhaps we shall come some day to free churches and free gardens when i can show my neighbor through my tired garden at the end of the season when skies are overcast and brown leaves are swirling down and not mind if he does raise his eyebrows when he observes ah i see you have none of this and of that at present we want the moral courage to plant only what we need to spend only what will bring us peace regardless of what is going on over the fence we are half ruined by conformity but we should be wholly ruined without it and i presume i shall make a garden next year that will be as popular as possible and this brings me to what i see may be a crisis in life i begin to feel the temptation of experiment agriculture horticulture floriculture these are vast fields into which one may wander away and never be seen more it seemed to me a very simple thing this gardening but it opens up astonishingly it is like the infinite possibilities in worsted work polly sometimes says to me i wish you would call at bobbins and match that skein of worsted for me when you are in town time was i used to accept such a commission with alacrity and self-confidence i went to bobbins and asked one of his young men with easy indifference to give me some of that the young man who is as handsome a young man as ever i looked at and who appears to own the shop and whose suave superciliousness would be worth everything to a cabinet minister who wanted to repel applicants for place says i haven't an ounce i have sent to paris and i expect it every day i have a good deal of difficulty in getting that shade in my assortment to think that he is in communication with paris and perhaps with persia respect for such a being gives place to awe i go to another shop holding fast to my scarlet clue there i am shown a heap of stuff with more colors and shades than i had supposed existed in all the world what a blaze of distraction i have been told to get as near the shade as i could and so i compare and contrast till the whole thing seems to me about of one color
but i can settle my mind on nothing the affair assumes a high degree of importance i am satisfied with nothing but perfection i don't know what may happen if the shade is not matched i go to another shop and another and another at last a pretty girl who could make any customer believe that green is blue matches the shade in a minute i buy five cents worth that was the order women are the most economical persons that ever were i have spent two hours in this five-cent business but who shall say they were wasted when i take the stuff home and polly says it is a perfect match and looks so pleased and holds it up with the work at arm's length and turns her head one side and then takes her needle and works it in working in i can see my own obligingness and amiability with every stitch five cents is dirt cheap for such a pleasure the things i may do in my garden multiply on my vision how fascinating have the catalogues of the nurserymen become can i raise all those beautiful varieties each one of which is preferable to the other shall i try all the kinds of grapes and all the sorts of pears i have already fifteen varieties of strawberries vines and i have no idea that i have hit the right one must i subscribe to all the magazines and weekly papers which offer premiums of the best vines oh that all the strawberries were rolled into one that i could enclose all its lusciousness in one bite oh for the good old days when a strawberry was a strawberry and there was no perplexity about it there are more berries now than churches and no one knows what to believe i have seen gardens which were all experiment given over to every new thing and which produced little or nothing to the owners except the pleasure of expectation people grow pear-trees at great expense of time and money which never yield them more than four years to the tree the fashions of ladies' bonnets are nothing to the fashions of nurserymen. He who attempts to follow them has a business for life, but his life may be short. If I enter upon this wide field of horticultural experiment, I shall leave peace behind, and I may expect the ground to open and swallow me and all my fortune. May heaven keep me to the old roots and herbs of my forefathers. Perhaps in the world of modern reforms this is not possible but i intend now to cultivate only the standard things and learn to talk knowingly of the rest of course one must keep up a reputation i have seen people greatly enjoy themselves and elevate themselves in their own esteem in a wise and critical talk about all the choice wines while they were sipping a decoction the original cost of which bore no relation to the price of grapes the end of section twenty one Recording by Mark Penfold